Today's guest is Elisa Timmerman from the Netherlands. Elisa started her career in biochemical research, working in hospitals in the Netherlands and Norway and at the University of Amsterdam. Later on, she studied naturopathic medicine and homeopathy and started practicing in 1981 and lecturing in 1986. She is the founder and director of the Hahnemann Institute of the Netherlands, which was founded in 1988, and the institute organizes in-service training for practicing homeopaths. Elisa lectures all over the world, combined her unique insights in homeopathy and psychology with a special talent for didactics and presentation. The Hahnemann Institute of the Netherlands, inspired by Jürgen Becker, started provings and triturations in the 90s. In this way, a vast amount of knowledge on both new remedies and the trituration principles has been acquired. Alisa has a busy practice where she works closely together with six colleges, developing new strategies of treatment and refining homeopathic treatment. She is inspired by Hahnemann and practices classical homeopathy. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now my mum and your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangouts. Today, we are speaking with Alisa Timmerman from the Netherlands. So can you tell us how you were first introduced to homeopathy? I tell you my true story because that's <laughs> for homeopaths the most interesting thing. Really. Oh, tell us that. You have no choice if you are introduced or not. You unconscious feel that... Your life is not organized by introduction or by, it's some meeting which you have with the natural world, with the trees and the plants and the animals. And when I was very young, say 14, I think, I wanted to be a doctor. And I was the number eight child in the family. I'm from a very big family. My father was ill from the age of seven, eight or nine or something. He was what they now call burn out or something. And I think he was ill for more than seven years. He lost his work. And then you're talking about the 60s or something. Mm. And it was a big family, so I really knew that unconsciously I couldn't ask my parents to study mm. on the university mm. or because that was just too much money or whatever. I didn't dare to even bring it up. And I went into biochemistry. I, I got a study in that, not so important. And then I was around, I think I was around, 24, I had quite a good job or whatever in the biochemistry on the University of Amsterdam. and But I didn't feel this is my path. Mm. I didn't feel that. I started to figure out uh, what to do. And then, anyway, to make a long story short, there was a start of an academy of natural medicine in Amsterdam. And I was one of the first students. Basically, we all had to organize the whole university so we organized the study and we were the students wow i don't know talking about 75 or something i don't know 76 and then from my scientific place i studied like acupuncture i studied about food about astrology Mm -hmm. about all this and i did all the subjects but homeopathy had something special it had it had the proofings 
and you could do a proofing and then you could see if it would work on you. So you didn't need to listen to people who have good experiences with herbs or with shabaitir mm. or with massage. You didn't need, you could repeat the research and see if it was working. So I found that very scientific. Okay, arsenicum, you can take it and then you can see what symptoms are coming up. Mm. And if there never happened something, I wouldn't trust it because why should I trust a teacher or someone who talks about their experiences? I thought you homeopathy is very good base because we have the provings mm -hmm. of Hahnemann oh, and hearing. <laughs> Snap. <Yeah. laughs> we have the same book. For the listeners, we're literally holding up the same book. <laughs> yeah, and you can just say, okay, let us, let us try it on ourselves and see what happens. And if it would happen something, then we can trust it, right? Yes. Yeah. So I found the scientific base of homeopathy very strong. Mm -hmm. And uh, the way Hahnemann developed that. So I basically, I was living in a scientific world and I was paid by the university, by my profession to, to study. So I think I was 24 or something. And then, so I thought this is very reliable. So I can just repeat what is there and see. And yeah, it works. Of course, and it was had a very clear organon. The organon is very clear about how you need to treat people. And I worked. But then what happened, I was soon very, very good homeopath. I was very, and my practice was like this. Mm. And then I realized that some knowledge I had from somewhere else, I just felt I have more knowledge and I didn't, I don't know where it's coming from, but I have some qualities which I didn't learn in the university or in the school or in the academy. I just have something inside. I did a family constellation and then I asked something about my mother and my grandmother. Something came up through my mother and my grandmother. And in the constellation, it was said, just ask them, ask about their history, about their development. So I asked my father about my grandmother and she was born in 1878 and when she was born in her birth her mother died and my father said don't you know don't you know the story of your grandmother I said well, no and then it was told that she lost her mother when she was born and she the whole family was infertile and she had a brother and a sister and my grandfather over grandfather remarried four times and they all died and she was the only one who she had what my fa father said four dead mothers <gasps> and we're talking about 1878 <gasps> and then he said to me don't you know it when it was 1898, she started a little garden where she grew concumbers and paprika. Um, mm, peppers. Capsicum. Peppers. Yeah. And cucumber. And everybody said. Cucumber, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, everybody said she was crazy because nobody had done that. They just eat cabbage and potatoes oh. in the Netherlands when we talk about 1898. And he was growing these concumers and these paprikas and I think tomatoes or something. Mm. Anyways, my father said she was a very healthy person. And then she developed a huge, she had this great marriage with my 
grandfather. And they developed, they grew a lot of tulips and they got very rich. Mm. And she got 13 children. <gasps> one, two. Wow. While her family was completely infertile, she was the only one who got 13 children. Anyway, she got this big farm with all this. You know, tulips were like diamonds, so much money you could earn in, in the beginning of 1900. Yeah. And the, the whole area in the north of the Netherlands went to her what to grow for the next year on the land. Mm from 20, 30 kilometers by feet, they went to ask her what should be should we grow. And she seemed to know, to know what yeah. to She had this vision, so to say. And when she was around, I don't know, I have no clue, maybe 45 or something, after the Second World War, so she went to two wars wow. and they burned down her whole farm if everything was burned down by the Germans because they thought she was part of a facet. She did like a resistance type box on the railway mm. so the train would fall off mm. and then they couldn't get the weapons to the west of the Netherlands to bomb England. Anyway, they burned down the whole place and she seemed to say to have said there is no problem because we don't lose anyone. And that went all around. And anyway, one day, I think maybe at the end of the 40s or something, one day she came home and she said, I'm not working anymore. And I've done enough. I'm not doing the work anymore. And she said, and then my father said to me, guess what she was going to develop. And she developed to, she started to study homeopathy. Wow. At what age did she then study homeopathy? At what age was she roughly around? I think it was around that she was 54 or something. Oh, okay. Like that. Wow. That is that. so cool. So you didn't and know that she was a homeopath? Yeah, she had such piles of books, my father said, next oh. to the fireplace. Yeah. And she was never allowed to study because she had to start working at the age of nine or 10 or something. Yeah. And she started to study homeopathy and she had, she ordered all these books and everything. And, and she started to treat lots and lots of people. So then I understood and my father said, you should get her inheritance. But anyway, then my parents always used homeopathy. And there was in the 1915 in the Netherlands, there was a prime minister and he said next to the Bible needs to be the Bible of homeopathy. Oh. Everybody, every family had a buddhika, had a books of homeopathy. In We, we talk about Christian families. Yeah. And, he's, and so it became, it was very normal because it, it was a kind of religious choice that you should have medicine from nature and God would, would had planned how to do that. So I have got uh, all over goosebumps right now. Wouldn't that be amazing if we can get to that place again where every family has a burika book next to their bed? Hey, yeah, everyone yeah. knows how to use it. That yeah. is it was not exactly a burika. It was a, a very, it's downstairs in this book, but very random total book about uh, mm. a lot of homeopathic remedies and how to use it and in Dutch and mm. I was just and everybody had their own pharmacy in that time there were no doctors nobody went to a doctor yeah, you went to yeah. a doctor when you were going to die to get a certificate 
Yeah, and then because my father got very sick in the he got sick, he went to the hospital and they used wrong medicine mm. for my father and he got paralyzed of one on one leg. And he told always that you could not trust the hospitals. He they were against the hospitals because of this what what happened all there. So that was, and but basically I had this feeling that I knew things which I couldn't know it from my studies or something. Mm. And then I understood it was all transformed through my grandmother. Yeah. Do you feel she's like a guardian angel standing over you when you're doing your consultations? Yeah. And then <laughs> when I discovered this, I saw her many times in my room and oh. I saw her many times just smiling and laughing. And did and, you ever have access to any of her books? Yeah, yeah, I got a few of these books, yeah. Okay. And, and they made a lot of jokes about her in parties because she gave, everybody had to use homeopathy. She would, and, it's easy yeah, to become so. evangelistic about homeopathy where you just want everyone to use it and you want to tell everyone about it. I even have a t-shirt. I haven't even shown you this. Yeah. Says, yes, I have a remedy for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a nice t-shirt. <laughs> Email me your address. I'll post you one. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. I will. And it's got the yeah, podcast so, on the back. <laughs> so I just, that's what I, that's what, where I like to talk about that. My grandmother was a very powerful, probably very powerful, insightful person because when everything burned down, when they burned down her farm, her words were, there is no problem because we didn't lose anyone mm. in 1943. And that just rumor went in villages. It means that she believed that the material world was not so important. Mm. And I think this is very essential to... That's homeopathy. Homeopathy is that you believe that the spiritual world is leading us. So that's immediately why I say, when did you, what was your question? When did you decide for homeopathy? It's not like that, that you decide for something. It's, it comes, it's so powerful, this collective energy, it just comes to you. That's a beautiful way of looking at it. So it comes to you, but you need to jump in that train. And that's what not happens often, that people don't. But the belief system is that you need to believe, the power of belief, you need to believe in these spiritual forces. Mm. And when you start, of course, when you start to do triturations, you know, mm. then here, mm. then you get the spirit out of the bottle. You get the message. You get the message out of the substance. You get the message out of the plant. And you triturate till you find that message. Mm. And first you had to suffer, meaning 
you have to go to the physical suffering. And what my grandmother, of course, went to the physical suffering by losing four mothers. And it transformed her into a being of light. Into See, I only remember her light. I remember her smile. I remember her. And it was, she went through, of course, as a child, through strong transformations, life and death, life and death, death. And she probably could feel that light coming out after the death, after the darkness. And that's what she brought into practice, into life. What is very much missing in many parts of homeopathy, the belief, the trust. And the point is, when you do these triturations, you go first through this physical suffering, and then finally you find the answer in the substance, what I call the message. And it's the same when you are sick, when you have when your body is not working well for you. And uh, the homeopathic remedy doesn't change anything in a way on a physical level. It doesn't change, but it gives you in the unconscious part of you the answer. And out of this answer, you cure. Mm. You see, out of this message, you cure. That's why many patients don't realize their cure because suddenly they feel better and they forget the suffering. Yes. And yeah. the forgetting is okay because you have done the transformation that's why in during the consultations i'm often a bit like this to talk backward about what had happened i always do that too yeah then i feel a bit when you go back to where the problem was mm. or where the suffering was mm. then you can also feed it again you can bring the patient to start thinking about it again and thinking is power over you you give it power while the person already moved on and this already is happening in our unconscious world this is where i started to choose for my choice for homeopathy was just what i feel it was more leaded from my ancestral background and in that time i didn't even know what the ancestor was i somewhere knew yeah that my husband he was a scientist and he wanted more that i studied medicine but then i was thinking there's a lot of time a lot of years and lots of time and i was just leaded to do homeopathy mm -hmm. See, so I didn't go into that. Mm. Uh, Thank goodness you didn't, see. because homeopathy is definitely better off <laughs> having you on our side. Yeah, and yeah, so it just happens to you. And when things just happen to you, you need to go for it. Go like, for yeah. it. And uh, now we talk a bit about now you have this systemic kind of homeopathy. And the point is that if you connect on the deeper way with all these forces from the plants and from the remedies, from the milks, then you start knowing that all the answers lie inside of you, mm. not in the books, not there. Mm. 
When you say systemic homeopathy, what do you mean? Just for our listeners who might not know what you mean. So you mean like table of the elements and. Yeah. And I have one other one. This is a good friend of mine. I I respect these people a lot. It's not that I don't respect, but for a systemic table of homeopathic remedies. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. she's done some lectures at your college as well, at your institute. Yeah. Where they're more systemizing homeopathy and trying to put remedies in categories to make it easier for homeopaths to understand. Yeah. 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 And you feel that there's fact, something it's, more. It's, it's also yeah. good. It's also good. Mm. But one plant has huge picture and it doesn't really fit into a system when you go deeper into it. And the difficulty is that. We work with, shall we say, fight of force. We work with energy. We work with, and we only need to stimulate that energy of the patient, of the person, with the right plant, right remedy. And there is a strong connection from that patient to nature also. We are building, we homeopaths, it's our profession to build on that connection ourselves, of course, to, to help somebody. Mm. But the other one is also resonating with some part in nature. Mm. And they also have an unconscious knowing where the path of healing is. And that's not systemized. That's just a meeting between the patient and a piece of nature. It can be a gemstone, it can be a plant, it can be a milk. And the consultation is about finding out what is that connection. That's what we call resonation. Mm. And then it's then they make the connection to that plant. And they get out the message of the healing because they already knew that somewhere they knew that. Somewhere they also know to which homeopath to go. And somewhere they know which homeopath can heal. So we need to listen to that unconscious voice. And that's where you need to develop your intuition to develop that resonation. To, and that means you need to go inside and listen to this knowledge inside. The knowledge from you, Eugene, and the knowledge from me inside is huge. Only you study to get connection to it. But you must not think that the knowledge is outside of you. Mm. And that is what is happening nowadays. Everything is outside of us, not inside of us. That is tubercular, that you think from the outside they know that's very interesting because i am the remedy to make line and works really well for me so that yeah. is yeah i have that feeling sometimes as well i always feel i need to do more courses and learn more and read more books and the answer is out there so that's really that actually resonates really deeply for me you saying that wow yeah so you must try to study on recognition mm. you must study okay this is she says Mm. Or he says what I already feel, what I already know. And then it goes automatically and mm. everything comes to you. So it's only to the contact meeting, mm. to the connection you feel with somebody that you feel is resonating that part in me. Mm. And then it flows. Then it comes to you. Then, okay, then it's like a piece of cake. Then the mind is not interfering. 
And there lies the problem. The mind is in homeopaths very much interfering because you have to study the whole repertory and the organ mm. and the, all the materia medica. And you lose to make the deeper connection with your inner self, with this huge knowledge which you already have. It is there. And you also forget everything what you have studied because it's not part of you. What you don't forget is part of you. You already had a feeling for that. So in the consultation, in the meeting of people, things, they wear certain colors, they have certain plants in their house, mm -hmm. they have found already a stone which they keep, or... But they're they wearing it around their neck, that in the jewelry or the yeah, clothes that or, they're wearing. Or something from the sea or something, because they always wear it, because it's like... They feel it's coming good energy from there already. That's why you keep it. Or So we need to make that connection much stronger in ourselves and with the patient. Because when you give a patient something they knew already, they already connect with, it works much better. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's, you're only the facilitator of it you facilitate their knowing you try to get out their spiritual connection to it yeah and that's all and life is honestly to be a homeopath is very easy when you work that way it's very easy because you have chosen to to connect with the natural world you see you have made that choice that means you have made not only choice, you start believing in the power of nature and you start believing that the universal collective knowing is orchestra you, is you are part of it. Mm. So it will give you and help you to do that. Some people call it the angels, some people call it God, some people call it the universe, name it whatever you feel like it. But when you work with it, you the knowing is growing and it's a knowing with a big car. You suddenly know, oh, that's for her. That's the patient knows also things. They know where they have to find healing mm. somewhere. They know. You only need to empower that. Mm. They know how to get better. They know already how on a subconscious level hey so you're a catalyst to help them remember exactly. what they, yeah and they find you because of that knowing yeah and when you believe that patient that person comes to you to teach you to bring you to something mm. or to show your shadow or to show your or whatever mm then everything starts rolling, you know? Mm. It's one and one makes three. Mm. And it's that you need to trust and believe. And this organized life, this over-organized life, this mentalized life, this too intellectual life mm. stops that. Mm. It's interfering. And then you have this uh, that this uh, gene who says, I need to read more books. I need to read more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just and laughing because I've enrolled in a master practitioner program that's starting tonight. 
and it goes on for 10 months. <laughs> Uh, no, I hear you. And definitely I since having Angelique Lemka on the show, who I know that you're friends with as well, and getting in touch more with that, the spiritual side of what it is to be a homeopath and healing our clients, I am tuning more into my intuition and it's definitely making the flow a lot easier. It's making the consultations a lot more fun because you're just staying open and actually listening to what the client is saying instead of just thinking, oh, what remedy am I going to give? What remedy am I going to give? But do you maybe have any tips for the homeopaths listening on how we can develop this intuition? You've been practicing since the 80s, so it's been a few years. So how? what have you done over the years to develop your own intuition? To do trituration that changed completely. Mm -hmm. up, up to what seed did you triturate it? Because we've just had on episode 100, I think 21 or 22, we've had Paul, Dr. Paul Theriou on who has triturated up to a C36. He's a huge fan of triturations. I know you are as well, but up to what level have you triturated? I think this book is very important. And I think Paul was learning from us to do the. Oh, very the, likely. Yeah. Yeah. The trituration. Yeah. Okay. And the trituration book. handbook. Wonderful. Yes. Very good. But to, this is already a bit systematic question. Mm. You triturate, you triturate, yeah, you triturate till the answer comes. Ah. And the interesting thing is you can take some articles of mine, easily put it on your website. So can people can link take it to from, it, yeah. Yeah, we can just send it and you can put them all on, or you can also put some good recordings of me. You can mm. just put on your website. I'm very happy, Eugene, when you do that, because you told me I have not so much energy anymore to teach and everything. And it's all there already. Mm. So I don't repeat myself. Yeah. <laughs> People just need to go and listen. Yeah. Yeah. But you treat right till in every situation there is this physical and you also have this delusional state you, you can have difficult delusions so mm. difficult strange kind of beliefs sometimes mm. or whatever that and then suddenly when you go further you come to kind of peace you come to love you come to this feeling of wholeness with the world and with the universe and then you feel this love coming out out of the each substance mm. and in the indian homeopathy they got stuck in the delusional state meaning like the snakes and seas or i feel jealous or i feel my territory is, they go over my territory, whatever. Mm -hmm. That is all delusion, right? Mm -hmm. So when you triturate just a little bit further, there comes this peace and this love and this, yeah. And that's in my publications. So mm -hmm. they can see it when you put it also. The trituration handbook, that one? No, I have written an other book. Okay. I'll put, a, I'll put a link of all of your books in the show notes as well so people can yeah, get copies of them. I wrote another book. Yeah. Anyway, Beautiful. so they wrote it. I didn't write it. Others have written it, by the way. Uh, but the point is you triturate till this peace is coming and till this love is coming. Mm. And that is what you give to the patient. No. So you give this powder, you give this powder, you, you potentize it and you give in essence in the substance 
It's not any fairy. It's not, it's not meditation or something or yoga or whatever. It's you give it in the substance, you give this love of that substance, which went through the su- suffering and rose above that suffering. So you give that powder to the patient and they will treat themselves from that moment, that suffering with love. Mm. That is the healing. So scientifically proved that doesn't work. It's just they don't have this level mm. of looking to things. You must know that. You must not bring yourself under scientific research or whatever, because then they're right. They don't find anything. Mm. So it's the love. And then each sub- substance has a different way of doing it. A different way of love. Mm. A gene. And you need to trust. You need to believe in homeopathy. So when you do the titration, you start trusting and believing. This power comes in you. Mm. And you need to give remedies to your patients with love, with your own love. So I want to talk very little about my big mother in homeopathy just died. She became 94 See, her name is Elvia Buray, and she was an African homeopath, and she treated millions of people in Africa, in Zimbabwe, in 20 countries. And she came to my seminars in Johannesburg. And anyway, she we met. And she lived in in Hermana. She, She died one month ago, and I worked with her in the townships. And we gave remedies to, in one morning, we treated, say, 80 little kids. Wow. And we gave what we call miasmatic remedies, like medrine. But we treated just the groups with one remedy, whole classes. And we got healing on a very high level. And the point was, Elvia, she believed in the power of homeopathy. Mm-hmm. Our cures were 98% in the townships. They Amazing. were clapping when we arrived every time. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. So it, it was, I want to tell you, I saw she was working 60 years in homeopathy and she showed impressive results. And it was she trusted it. She mm. believed it. Every remedy she gave, she knew that you would come out, that you develop, that you need to develop. Mm. And you give this substance with this higher love of trust and belief. Mm. That's what you need to do. And you get this every time we do a titration you find some kind of love in this natural element, in this tree, plant, fungi, whatever. Mm. And this must fit the problem of the patient, you know, the problem. Because that problem, the patient is stuck in that part of himself. Yeah. Mm. And it's a lack of love for that part of the patient in themselves. So you give energy to that. You give vitality to that. But what is why we are not priests, why we are not 
meditative healers, why we are not. We, the very speciality about homeopathy is we work with the nature for everybody, for every problem in this world, every pathology, Mm. everything is a plant Mm. there for us, for you, for me. It is there. Mm. So it means for every problem, there is an answer in nature. That is how the world is created. Mm, I believe that as well. And you need to believe that, Eugene. Mm. Then it comes to you. It makes complete sense, the answer is. And we see that so often whenever people try to introduce species from another country into this country, it always ends up going wrong and throwing things out of balance. Everything is in nature as it is. We need to just let it, you need to let it find the answer instead of forcing things. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So I'm working on opening that field in the book of systemic, the plant book of Mike uh, Miguel is just... Mm -hmm. Beautiful. It's good. And also, when I have, I tell also a bit of my secret. This book is very important to me. Concordance. Because there's no blah, blah into it. Uh Uh-huh. Nothing. It's just symptoms. Yeah? Yeah. So I think of certain substance for somebody. And maybe like now, there is a man coming after your consultation who has a complete blockage of the prostate. And he cannot urinate. Wow. And I think he doesn't want, he has been in the night now, he's been to the hospital because the urine didn't come out, so he was painful, mm. all of it. And I gave him conium. Mm. But now I think, is it, he thinks it works very well because he phoned me up and he said, can I take something from the, I give it in LM potencies. Mm. He said, can I take something from the bottle? And put it on my testicle. <laughs> and then he phones me up and he says, maybe I did it wrong. Because I said, yes, just do it. Just go. And then and he phones me up. I said, maybe I did it wrong because the blockage is underneath on the, on the mm. underside. Said, okay, when I do it on the under, on the <laughs> underside. Said, yes, please do it. And then, but it's, it's a swelling of the prostate and it's a blockage. And... Mm. I think he has cancer, but he doesn't want to go to mm. research it because he had very bad experience in the hospital. He had decided not to do that. Mm. And you know, it's a, he follows, he is a person who follows his inner knowing, mm. the patient. So I don't interfere with his inner knowing. And but then I think, is conium exactly for these symptoms? Blockage, swelling. Then I look it up in my hearing. I look conium. There is the symptom covering the exact symptom. So I use it. Mm. See? To double check yourself. I double check. Yeah. Or I look in the repet, or I look in Roger van Sandford. He also is Mm. nice, make all of this. And so I use it. You know what Mm. I mean? Mm. Or I think of, I have intuition about a a certain animal or, or, and I just think, oh, let us see if it fits. Let mm. us see. Then I need the knowledge. Mm. So you see, that's the other way. But if the answer comes from the patient, then mm. I take that very serious. I think, okay, 
Okay. And the same with colors and all. Everything is given in nature to help us, mm. to love us. And the point is, when you do triturations, you start looking at the world completely different because you make your wahrnehming, uh, your observation much deeper. We were doing a substance from the, uh, how you call them in South Africa, who the holy the holy healers in a South Sangoma. Africa. Sangoma. Yeah. We were doing a substance from a Sangoma, took it, uh, an orchid, it was an orchid, mm. and we walked to the mountains outside Hermanum's and all the flowers, they changed into cathedrals. Oh, wow. Huge cathedrals. Huge. You know, big. And we walked there. We were, the sacred element of the what we start seeing by doing that plant, a, a very special orchid, by, we saw it. And we saw that people are not made the cathedrals. No. These plants are holy in their knowledge and worked and were beings of cathedrals. And we became very small. We saw the whole world of the plants already, they are goddesses altogether. Mm-hmm. And when you start triturating, you start feeling that they want to help us. And they're very thankful that we make them in a homeopathic remedy because they cannot do that. Mm. We can do that. And also we don't have to harvest a whole bunch of them to use it. We just need a couple of plants too. Yeah, we they cannot do the trituration. Mm. (laughs) And they are happy that they can, what I want to say many times, nine or ten times, I got a voice that they told me we are so happy that you do this because then we can cure the people. But we had the interference of making this doing. They can't do it. So they are happy to give. Hmm. How many triturations do you think you've done over the years? Sometimes I stopped it for a while because I thought sometimes I got in real trouble with people, meaning with my family or friends or with colleagues or sometimes Mm. crazy things coming up. I think (laughs) you are doing crazy things that you think you are, you know. In how the remedies are affecting you. So you would be doing things, okay, like basically because you're proving it. So it would change your personality and the people around you wouldn't be too happy about that. You can say some things which you would never say like that. Whatever you can disturb people or yourself. Mm. Anyway, I, when then after say nine months or eight months, when I'm not doing treatment, I start just really missing it. I think life is boring. <laughs> also, what I want to also say one other thing, which is not clear in the world, in my opinion, I think homeopathy is the answer for everything. Just for everything. Not you and me, you, my patient, me, your helper, whatever. No. When you do trituration, you bring, you can bring also parts of the world in a higher level of being. Mm. Like now we have the war in Europe, in Ukraine, in there is a big, how you call it, darkness. Mm. And by trituration, you can bring it in the light. And the point is, and that's not only the only thing, 
you don't need anything from nature. With one little plant, you can cure Africa. Mm. For many years, for many centuries. <laughs> Ruta, many people in Africa cannot read. They are having, need a candlelight because they have no electricity. Mm. So they read in the evening with a candlelight, so they disturb their eyes. Mm. Yeah. And you give Ruta to all of them. And they start seeing and they can do their work again. Ruta, see 30 or 200, whatever. You can just, and you can hundred thousands of people cure with Ruta. So it doesn't take from the earth. It doesn't disturb or break down the earth. Mm. And you can, you, you're not abusing the air, the earth, the oil, the this, the that, you know? Mm. So homeopathy, in fact, is the answer for everything. Mm. And that's so little known. I'm really, that's so little known. If And we are not, we, in fact, are not so good homeopaths. We are, because when we were really better, we would have, there would have been much more cure. Let's be honest, Eugene. We are too small, we are too, but we also are not so good because we have been to this intellectual and we lost insights, we lost, in. that's why I put it out, that's why Angelica put it out. But if we would have more recognition from the outside world, we could have better educations and better, we are still so much in this corner mm-hmm. that I'm sad about and Elvia Bure, that's why I respected her so much. She was really the mother of homeopathy. She cured so millions of people in Africa. Mm. And just unbelievable. We give trainings to people in Zimbabwe, Uganda, Malawi, only from 10 days trainings mm. to people who had some interest in healing, but had no basic background. And they send excuse. My mother was already in bed for one and a half year. She couldn't walk. She couldn't. We gave her restocks and now she's walking. Mm. And she's... I have to say in the defense of homeopaths, so I think if you're treating people in Africa, they often are unmedicated because they can't afford going to doctors. They can't afford all the drugs. So I do think the remedies act a lot quicker on them because I know for a fact, if I treat an unvaccinated child in my clinic, they respond much better to the homeopathic remedies than a vaccinated child. So I do think that there's an element of that as well. And actually, Saptashi Banerjee was saying when he goes into the slums in India, the people do respond quicker to the remedies because they haven't had all that years and years of suppression of medication and their constitutions are a lot simpler and they do have their stresses in their life, but you don't have, I think it's just different. Yeah. So that's one reason. Yeah. The other reason is... There's so much more show the problem from the heart. Okay. Patient mm-hmm. says in five seconds what the problem is. Yeah. We just try to suppress it all and hide it all away and drug it and medicate it and push it down. But they yeah. know that you're probably go- only going to come and visit their village once a month or whatever. So they got to get to the point straight away. There's no mucking around. <laughs> no, they are. They have a different life. Yeah, they're much Outlook. more living. Mm. And much more living from their deep sources. Yeah. You see? Yeah. It's not changed by all the teachings and culture. And I remember my first patient in South America. Then I just started homeopathy. And 
she nobody could help her because she had such a terrible migraines. So she came and and she said, "Yes." I said, "Oh, you have migraines." Mm. Yes, she says, but that's not the problem. Grief is the problem. Grief, grief, grief. She said to me very loud, "Not the migraine, it's the grief." Three minutes consultation. I gave her <laughs> she acute. <laughs> Meaning that is Africa. Chuck and. <laughs> She like that. Could I ask you something? Because you talked about the Black Madonna, the mother of dark and light, and her daughter, Maria Magdalena. Now, of all the people that have told me what topics they want to speak on, this is the one that's floored me the most. What on earth do you mean by that? Yeah, I made a whole PowerPoint about it. You want oh, to... did you? <laughs> it's something you can do in a synopsis. <laughs> what, what we could do is we can do a synopsis and then we can do another podcast and then we teach the whole thing about that. Oh, I love the sound of that. We'll give people a little taster now to get them interested and then we'll do a, a yeah. podcast on it. I That sounds amazing. Let's do it. You understand? Yeah. So the because I like that people then get a feeling of the Black Madonna, you understand? The Black Madonna is the mother of all mothers. So you have the Black Madonna, then you have Sophia, the mother of God, and then you have Maria Magdalena, the daughter of Sophia. And then you have all the important other names, they're all fine line. But the Black Madonna, what I understood, the Black Madonna is developed, say, three, four thousand years ago. Mm. And then what I really understood is that black is black and it's not allowed to see black. They just suppressed the black in all religions. Meaning when they saw the black Madonna, they painted it white. Mm. It had white and black was dark. But it is the symbol of creation. The black, the ancient people knew there was a big black hole in the universe. Big black emptiness. Mm. There's only 2, 3%, 4, 5% material in the universe. All the rest is black, empty, whatever. Mm. In the black part, all creation is taking place. And 4,000 years ago, they knew they needed a symbol to connect with the mother of creation, the mother of fertility. Yeah. So they called it the Black Madonna. So she's the mother of all mothers. And when they made it into a symbol, into a woman, into a mother, mm. you should say a modern, because later in the in our lives, we started to divide female and male, but that was not in that time. Everything was. They had no name for wife or for men. There was only one name. When you could give a child, then you were a mother. So in ancient time, the division between male and female was not very big. So the Black Madonna stands for the spiritual mother, where all creation are coming from, where all life is coming from. 
So they use that as a symbol. And then by the development of Christianity, the Black Madonna had to be suppressed. So they put her underground. But on each cathedral in France, the cathedral is built or in Spain or in other places. Each cathedral is placed on a place that was found a tree which was healing, a water what was healing, and usually some plant which was healing. And then the Black Madonna was found underground. Usually it was found by a cow underground or some animal from a farmer, mm. and they found it underground. And then, say, in the four or five hundred years after Christ, they put it up ground mm. again. And there are many rituals around the Black Madonna. But she was the first mother, the first female, the first where all creation is coming from. Then I found literature where it is where they knew about the Milky Way in the universe and mm. they knew already. So they studied in ancient time the whole universe and that's why how the Black Madonna came into life into as an intermediate thing which you could see and feel and symbolize. What happens, the, there was this place where the Black Madonna was found, the right tree was found, the plant and the water and there, people from their intuition went there to get healed, to get better. Mm. Or when you couldn't get a child, you went there and you were lying there on the stone and you got your child. Wow. You see, all these ancient places where there was a certain energy coming together and where healing took place. And healing can take place again through unconditional love. That's what you learn in paragraph one in the organon. Hanuman writes, he starts with it. Unconditional love, meaning no judgment. Just listen. Just let it come to your heart, so to mm. say. Paragraph one of the organon. Maria Magdalena, the daughter of Maria, the daughter Maria was, of course, the daughter of Sophia, and so I worked or developed the, I always interest, I'm always interesting how a big healer, how a healer becomes a big healer. What she or he does, what happens, why she can do it. So I studied all of this and I visit all these places and trying to feel if I felt it, if you know something and that's what I developed in that lecture. I developed the plants, the trees. And the point is, they have this crypt in under all the cathedrals. There is a crypt, something which is underground. And there you find the Black Madonna. Oh. And later on, in 1100, they started to build a church on top of it. Mm. And they and because everybody had to, to believe in God, in the Christian God, so to say, or in Jesus, whatever, mm. they were not allowed to look at her anymore. They were not allowed to see that everywhere in every plant is a goddess. The heidens geloof, they believed that every tree, the oak tree, 
this and the other this and they were not allowed to do it anymore because monotheism developed all had to be one mm. god so they could have power over the world the romans were very clever so the belief uh, had to focus on that and then she had to go underground mm. and god is not a he it's a she everything comes from sophia mm. Sophia means wisdom, means, and the last philosopher, philosophy comes from Sophia. Okay, excellent. I love learning root words. I did Latin at school, and whenever I can identify a root word, I love it. It just makes so yeah, much more so sense. Philosophy. philosophy. Okay. From Sophia. Yeah. And when the Greek developed philosophers, mm. Socrates and Plato. Plato was the one who went into the rational. Plato was the son. So Plato went into rational philosophy and developed the word philosophy. Socrates was completely connected to the female, to Sophia, but he was the last one. Mm -hmm. Then it went to the monotheism to the one God's belief system and all the rest had to be underground. So they built on the cathedrals on this, so to say, sacred places. Mm. And, but we as homeopaths are interested, what tree was doing so much healing? What plant mm. is he? I developed all these plants, which comes from ancient knowing and knowledge because the little woman who lived in a village and had connection to the herbs to the plants mm. they knew which place to go to get pregnant to, to get make what pregnant to get oh pregnant you know, sorry okay pregnant, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> pregnant means to become it's not only getting a child it's to renew yourself that is what the word means so pregnant, meaning I'm interested, where is this energies? Where are these? Where we only need to follow, we only need to open up again. What is there already? This knowledge, which is there already, because there were lots of women who, who were before us and knew that, mm. you see. Mm. Not through the university intellectual side, because that's through here. Yeah. And we need now, the world is going that we need to go through the heart, to the abdomen, the abdomen, where our brain is in the abdomen. And we need to go there again. Mm -hmm. And then we are leading to the right energies, mm -hmm. like the age. People knew where to go. There's a reason we talk about no, the gut, gut feeling. Hey. Yeah, it's the source. She is the first. She's the source of all mothers. So let us make a good teachings on a podcast specific specific subject sounds absolutely i'm very amazing. happy to do that for you Jean, and just share thank you so much it's been such a pleasure to get to listen to you lisa it's absolutely amazing my mind is blown and the time has flown and i'm a poet and i don't know it <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that with our listeners. I'm sure they will be just as inspired and excited listening to this as I have been. And I look forward to having you on the show again. And just thank you so much. <laughs> okay, my dear. And then uh, you just write in the, in, in the email when we do the next podcast. Fine with me. Okay, wonderful. I'll 